Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch. On the Guy Benson Show, see you tonight on Special Report around 6.45 Eastern, Fox News Channel. I'll be on the panel. You can also catch all of today's show in its entirety for free on demand on our podcast, which publishes shortly after the show is over, GuyBensonShow.com. If you're listening on the broadcast, that was a little bit of music from Carly Rae Jepsen. Her new album is out, and I think maybe my favorite song on it is Talking to Yourself, which is what we just played. I know everyone was talking about the Taylor Swift album, which we listened to, I will note, on Friday on our drive. And we talked about this during the home stretch last week. It's fine. A couple songs that I didn't mind. A couple songs that were kind of catchy. The rest of it was kind of ambient noise, kind of a vibe in the background. I'm not going crazy over it like a lot of people are. It's fine. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not a huge Swifty or anti-Swifty. I'm kind of just like, I like certain songs or I don't. I do like Carly Rae Jepsen, as we've established here on the show. The song that we just sampled briefly on the bumper song is one that I enjoy, although apparently producer Christine doesn't like it. And once again, I just have to say that Christine's taste in most things, highly suspect. Christine, I can't believe that you were this hostile to Carly Rae Jepsen. I don't, I don't even, okay. You guys spent all last week saying I needed some sort of intervention of vacuums, drinking, whatever. I think we need to start an intervention on you because I'm not sure what's happening. But all of a sudden, you're like, you know, popping up with these Carly Rae Jepsen songs in the past couple months. And we just need to stop it. We need to calm it down. Let no, her go good away. And There's no need for an intervention. This is what people who really need interventions do, right? They see the intervention coming. They start lashing out. They try to run away. They try to deflect. They try to blame someone else. They're like, well, you actually need the intervention because there's two pop songs that you like that are wrong. I might have spent thousands of dollars on vacuum cleaners and keep throwing them away for no reason, but you're the problem with your pop music tastes. No, we're not going to have that here. And Carly Rae Jepsen, she's not like she has vaulted into my top echelon of favorite artists. But in terms of putting out some pop music bangers, I will take her latest body of work pound for pound over Taylor Swift's. Are you a Taylor Swift person, Christine? I am. I, I mean, I'm not like, I guess, a Swifty, you would say. I, I enjoy, you and I, I, I think, like the same songs. I, that Trouble song, I love. That's a bop. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, but that's, I mean, years ago at this point, that's her best song ever, I think. And that came out, I would guess, I would estimate maybe a decade ago. That's it's not been her a while. best song. What's your best song? Style. That is like my all-time favorite, favorite song. Christine, I just want to read a quote to you and see what you have to say about it. This quote is from Phil Collins. 
Okay, your favorite of all time, right? Loving. He said, quote, Carly Rae Jepsen is a pop music icon, vastly underrated, and better than most people out there on the scene today. End quote. Do you agree or disagree? Wait a second. Did you just make that up? I did. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you just can't make things up. As completely fabricated a quote from Phil Collins to see if I could trick you into maybe stampeding onto the bandwagon if you thought that Phil was a part of it. I knew. I knew my Phil would never say something like that. But I just want to point out here, I'm not the only one that thinks this Carly Rae Jepsen love that you have or newfound love is is sort of strange. Dan, I mean, feel free to jump in whenever. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Carly Rae Jepsen. I I usually love your music taste guy, I have to say that. Mm -hmm. But I think she was kind of... Brought down because of Call Me Maybe was like so bubblegummy pop that I think and anything overplayed. after that. Yeah, and overplayed. And I think after that was really tough for her to kind of break out from. Yeah, but so, I mean, it's yeah. not her fault that she had a mega hit I know, I know. that, you know, got played way too much. And then everyone assumed she was a one hit wonder when she's not. She's had other songs that have done well. You know that Cut to the Feeling is my favorite of her songs. That wasn't really a huge radio hit. And this new one, Talking to Yourself, I think has a very catchy chorus. And when she put on a show that I went to go see, we're now rehashing what, what I went, what, a few weeks ago to this show, I thought she put on a fun, good show. I don't love her. I just think she's good. And I also will not be lectured to I, about musical tastes or catchy music by a fan of Nickelback, but, but, which is what you are. But that's, that, uh, that's my point exactly. You should understand how I feel because Nickelback came out with Remind Me, and it was just overplayed, and I think that's where, you know, the hate started coming. But they well, He also have... has a very annoying voice. No? Oh, I love that voice. What do you... Okay, we're done. I'm done. This is what you're done over? You can't, like, summon the words to defend Nickelback? I'm not surprised. It's, it's just... I would run away from this conversation, too. I just... I feel like it's your way or the highway. What do you think? This is the Guy Benson show only? <laughs> I'm not saying that you can't like Nickelback. It just makes me question your taste in everything, along with many of the other things that you do, right? Like, you would crank some Nickelback while sitting on a beach chair among your Christmas inflatables on November 2nd and be like, this is living my best life. And I just don't agree. I, I just feel like we fundamentally have some disagreements on some of this stuff, and that's fine. I just won't take shade on pop music from someone with your track record. It's like we're in a debate ahead of the mid. Like, my opponent, ladies and gentlemen, cannot defend her own record, which is why she continues to lie about mine, right? That's what's happening here. I mean, I, I get it. We could move on, but I just want to say, like, at the end of the day, sometimes best friends don't have to like everything the same. So I get it. And you'd be like, let's go to the Nickelback concert and we can stop at my favorite pizzeria, Domino's, afterwards for some pineapple. And you'd be like, this is great. What a fabulous Friday night. And I would say, you know, I think I would prefer to do something else. Would you go to a Carly Rae Jepsen concert if Nickelback was opening with Christine, but you had to sit through Nickelback to get to Carly Rae Jepsen? No, because I would meet her there. I'd pay for the tickets, let her get liquored up, enjoy her Nickelback, show up for Carly Rae, and then she would have enough, you know, alcohol in the old bloodstream to then 
listen to Carly Rae with new ears and watch with new eyes and maybe understand the error of her ways. By the way, the topic that we're supposed to be talking about is pickleball, which is this like mini tennis game with, what is it, like ping pong paddles and a wiffle ball, something like that, and it's kind of like tennis. That was our topic here. And we're like almost done with this segment. We're eight minutes deep into another stupid conversation about Canadian music stars or, you know, put stars in quotes. Yeah, no, I could bring this all back on track. I'm just going to say this to you. You know, sure, pickleball sounds fun. I think we should all do it. Nickelback's great. You seem to think Carly's great. But here, there's something bigger we need to talk about, and this is going to just bring us back on track. You ready, Guy? Oh, no. I just want you to know today is October 24th. There's only two months left until Christmas Eve. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't want to freak people out because I'm starting to get anxiety. But I'm just letting everybody know. We can end here. You have two months, ladies and gentlemen, till Christmas Eve. I'm more concerned about two weeks until the midterm elections. That's sort of top of mind, so to speak, for me. And then, unless I'm mistaken, today's October 24th, yes? Well, as I scroll ahead in my calendar, November 24th, one month from now, is Thanksgiving. The most important holiday, my favorite holiday, that also ushers in the Christmas season and allows us to start to enjoy Christmas after Thanksgiving. So, yes, Christmas is looming, and I do love Christmas, but I like Thanksgiving as the lead into Christmas, and we're a month out from that, two weeks and a day out from the midterm elections. That's our focus here, despite a wildly unfocused home stretch segment where we barely even gave lip service to the actual topic of pickleball, how it's, I guess, exploding in popularity and so on and so forth. You can, I guess, the New York Times wrote about it. You can go look that up if you want to. Wyatt played some pickleball at our block party, Blocktoberfest, that he was invited to, and other members of the team were unable to make. I'll just also point that out. Although it seems like everyone is in for the Christmas party, which comes in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. This has been a mess. This has been an absolute train wreck of a segment. And now we're out of time. We don't even have time to bring it really back on the rails. Congratulations, Nickelback. You did this. And the Guy Benson Show back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. See you on Special Report on the news channel coming up. Have a great night. Look at this photograph. Home stretch. It's the Guy Benson Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. GuyBensonShow.com for our free podcast every day. So this is something that I'm absolutely guilty of. A study finds that about 6 in 10 Americans, so roughly 60% of the country, habitually hit the snooze button every morning. I don't have an alarm clock. I mean, I do. It's sitting right next to my bed. I don't use it. I use my phone. I would imagine most people probably use their phone at this point. That's just my guess. The alarm on my phone is a triggering sound to me. If I ever hear it out of context, not in the morning when I'm waking up, it just makes me cringe. I'm not a morning person, so I never really welcome the alarm. And so I generally schedule the alarm for quite a long time before I actually have to get up. And then I hit the snooze button a few times, and the snooze for me goes, I think, for eight minutes. I believe that's what it is. And I'm sort of weird about this, where I will set the alarm, usually for a number ending in six, 
So let's say I have to be up around 8 o'clock. I'll set it for 8.06. Then it'll snooze for eight minutes. Then I'll let it snooze again. And then maybe I'll get up at like 6.30-ish. This is something that my husband, Adam, is not a fan of, especially if it's going to go like three or four snoozes. But it's part of my process, okay? It's part of my process. And I have to ease myself out of slumber. I will occasionally wake up feeling incredibly refreshed, even earlier than my alarm goes off. And I think that has something to do with, like, rhythms of sleep and various patterns. And there's something, I guess, called REM sleep. And you want to wake up at a certain point in this cycle. And I guess sometimes I get lucky. This is also true of naps, by the way. Other times, not so much, where I will, at least on paper, I will have had a very good night of sleep, but I feel absolutely exhausted, maybe because a certain part of the cycle was interrupted at an inopportune time. I know there's a whole science behind it. I generally sleep pretty well, so I just kind of go with it. But yes, the alarm is part of the process, snoozing it multiple times, part of the process, and then you finally, you don't hit the orange snooze button, you hit the off button at the bottom of the iPhone, and now it's time to get up. That's how I do it, so I'm guilty. I'm one of these 6 in 10 Americans who do this habitually, if not every day, most days. And I wonder how we do it here around the horn at the show. Dan, are you a snoozer? I am a snoozer. I'm also a two-alarm setter. So I'll set two different times, like one as an emergency, like that's way too late where I won't have time to like really get ready, just in case I shut it off when I'm good. But I hit the snooze button three times almost every morning like exactly i will not go four i know i have to get up at that point but i'm okay. I, i'll hit it three times and i know exactly two what time is too few yes exactly <laughs> I need and to how long is your snooze nine minutes exactly yeah okay so that's uh, roughly the same as me i don't usually do the backup alarm i'll set alarms for other things later in the day so i don't forget to do important things on occasion but usually it's just the one alarm for me Christine, snooze or not to snooze? Oh, I am totally a snoozer. And and a two-alarm, sometimes three-alarm person. I obviously, I have anxiety. So one of my biggest things is, you know, oversleeping. So I will set, say I have to get up, most days I have to get up by 6.30 in the morning. So I'll start at 6.20, then I have a 6.25, then I have a 6.30, and then usually I'll have a 6.35. And Wait, then, so hang on. So you have multiple alarms set and you're snoozing them or you are turning off the first alarm and waiting for the second alarm? Correct. Correct. I'll turn off the first one, then wait for the next one. And then usually by okay. the end, I'll hit one snooze. Um, it is, if you looked at my phone, you know, where you could set all your alarms, mm-hmm. it's just, you're just scrolling, 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 scrolling. Oh, I have There's, like two or three. That's it. Oh, I, as many as they probably can have. Like, you're literally scrolling through. <laughs> You've maxed out. <laughs> I had a roommate freshman year of college, and I tell so many stories about this guy because it was quite an experience. He was a real interesting character. I don't want to be mean. But he was a challenging roommate. He moved in mid-year, so at least I didn't have him all year long. But he had many peccadillos and idiosyncrasies. I will not belabor them or even enumerate all of them because it would take too long. I'll give you just one small hint. 
one of his life goals and career ambitions was to be a clown. Also one of the messiest people I've ever met in my life, which is just not going to jibe well with me. And one thing he would do is set multiple alarms and put them all over the dorm room, like literally physically different places around the dorm room. So he'd have to get up out of his bed. He had the lower bunk and turn off these alarms in succession and it would force him to get up, but then he would get back into the bed. So I didn't really understand what the point of this was. And there were times when he would go out of town, but the alarms were set. So they would wake me up and I would have to get off the top bunk, navigate the absolute disaster that was our room constantly, just stuff everywhere, his stuff, and then try to figure out where these alarms were. Sometimes they were buried underneath stuff. It's just like dirty clothes, disgusting. And then turn them off, not snooze them, turn them off. Nightmare. But it was a character building experience because just wasn't my cup of tea, that whole situation. I hope he's doing well. Wherever he is, I hope he has had a wonderful life and will continue to have a happy, wonderful career, perhaps as a clown. Just not compatible as roommates. And the alarm clock thing is still somewhat traumatic to me. Wyatt, you said you had an interesting story about this and perhaps a surprising answer. I imagine your alarm going off, obviously, at roughly 4 a.m. for your morning constitutional you sit down at the end of your driveway waiting for the Wall Street Journal delivery man. If he's even two minutes late, he gets a very polite talking to. And then, you know, you take your walk, you get your coffee, and you have an alarm set for 401 just in case you sleep in. But you typically are just, you pop out of bed fully dressed in a vest exactly at 4 a.m. without the assistance of an alarm. That's what I picture. Now you have your real life story. Yeah, so there's a lot there that I have to dispel and unpack, but I I don't really wake up, I don't think, that early. I mean, I I usually am up by 6.20, 6.30, I'm like I'm like everyone else here on the show that I, I do set several alarms. I, I'm not always exactly up at the, the, the time the alarm goes off. So the I am, first one. So you're not out of bed after the first alarm goes off. Yeah, I'm used to, I'm I'm a snoozer, so I I will. Oh, hit. All right, so we went four for four here. Just for the record, we are all among the majority of Americans who do this. Yes. So my story, my a- antidote here about all this is that on there's only one day of the year where that alarm sometimes doesn't need to be pressed. I'm just up, ready to go, and I I am excited. I am I am you know so happy, and that is election day. Every single election day, it might be 4 a.m. It could sometimes be, you know, even earlier. So it's, I, not, it's not Christmas. It's your personal Christmas. Yes. Election day. I am up. I do not need an alarm. I am ready to go. I am hyped up on caffeine. And there's, like, sometimes not even any need. I remember in 2020. I remember in 2018. I remember in 2016. Just springing out of bed, ready to go for election day. And I know you have this thing where you always say it's election day. There's not much that's really going to happen. It's more the Correct. night into the day, the next day. Yes. But there's still just that adrenaline and that that excitement that literally I will be out of bed without an alarm, just ready to go. I hate the anticipation of election day itself because it's just a bunch of little stories and anecdotes and nuggets dripping out that might have no relevance whatsoever, but you're clinging to everything. Like, oh, turnout is strong in wherever, according to someone. And Twitter's talking about it. And you just are so starved for real information that you're just obsessing. I kind of sometimes just wish, I know I can't with my job, 
that I could knock myself out for 24 hours, wake up and have the results shown to me and I could just move on because it is stressful. But I have to like write and talk about the outcomes as they're happening in real time. So it's not really an option for me, but I definitely get pretty anxious as the results come in, especially if things are breaking bad. Like 06, 08, 12, those are rough nights. And there's the fun nights, 10, 14, 16, then kind of the mixed bags, 18, 20. I mean, 04 was such a big one. 04 was the first one I voted in for George W. over John Kerry. What was your first election, Wyatt? 16 or 18? It was 18. 18. Christine's first vote, of course, was for John F. Kennedy. And Dan is roughly my age, so I'm guessing 04-ish, maybe 06 for him. But that's still two weeks away. Wyatt's personal Christmas. No alarm needed, let alone the snooze button, two weeks from right now. And we'll be covering this entire cycle through the tape and beyond on The Guy Benson Show. Back here tomorrow for much more. Same time, same place. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening and have a great night. stretch on this Wednesday edition of the Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Check out the free podcast every day. I saw this headline and had to immediately ask Christine about it. Apparently a tequila shortage may soon be upon the United States of America and the issue for Christine may not be tequila, which is not her favorite. Although, am I correct, Christine, when I recall that Quiet Wyatt was able to induce you to try some margaritas recently, and you liked them? I, I liked one, but as you know, sometimes one is just not enough for cookie. Um, and then, like, on the second, I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. What was it about round two that you didn't like? So I think tequila gives— The same gives, taste, right? Yeah, it gave me a little heartburn, and I don't know. I just, I just didn't like it as much as I like the other one. I'm not going to say it, but you know which one. Which one? You know <laughs> you know which one. It says you could maybe help us with this. Which which is the other one that you're talking about? My Tito's. I sure love my Tito's. Oh, right, which is a brand. Why aren't you saying the word? Because, You've always been very proud. <laughs> well, Dan is trying to to work with me behind the scenes to say vodka. Yes, like a speech therapist. Not really. Like a friend. It's like the King's Speech, but the cookie version, where she's trying to learn how to say the name of her favorite spirit, her favorite adult beverage liquor variety. Because you typically say, how do you say it? Vodka. Vodka. Yeah, like there's no D. Vodka. I I feel like I'm saying the D, but I guess I need to pronounce it uh, stronger. So vodka. Yeah, but can you say it a little faster like a no. like a normal person? Vodka. <laughs> I am a normal person. Well, vodka. Vodka. Do you not hear that no. as lacking a D? It sounds correct in your head? Mm-hmm. Uh. You're saying it like V-O-C-K-A. Yeah, I mean, vodka. you guys say that, but I, I, we, we, can, we could go vodka. on and on about this. Vodka. It's vodka. If there was a vodka shortage in America, would you <gasps> more so than mama's juice? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, guy, you know how much I love my Cosmos. That, that is true. 
Now, do they pair well? This is a key question. Do they pair well with McRibs? So this is the McDonald's sandwich. I think it is technically a sandwich, which is supposed to be rib-related meat-looking activity on a bun. And I always hear about the McRib when there's a big ad campaign that it's back. Oh, the McRib is back. And there's always stories about it and the fans going crazy that it's back. And then I guess sometimes prices of pork, I don't know if it's really real pork or whatever, like they go up and so they drop it from the menu. There's always some sort of hullabaloo around the McRib. And now the latest version of it is that the McRib is returning to McDonald's, but only for the final time. It's the farewell tour of the McRib, like it's Cher or something like that or Elton John. And I guess fans are happy that it's coming back. Devotees of this sandwich are pleased to be able to have it again, but they are melting down that apparently, at least according to the suits at McDonald's over at Mickey D's, this is the last gasp. No more McRib after this, this final comeback tour. Has anyone who works on this show actually had a McRib ever? Wyatt? No, but I've had something similar, not from McDonald's, but I used to have, like, in, in school, they used to have the, the riblet sandwich as, like, an offer, and I've had that, but it, it's gross. Dan? No, I've never had it, and my theory around it a little bit is it's not that good. I think the exclusivity of it is what people like about it because it's gone and it comes back, and I think it's not going to be gone. I'm, this is a hot take. It's going to come back maybe in, like, four years. It's going to be like, nope. One last time, it is back. Or like by popular demand, McRib returns. Right. We couldn't keep it away forever, and so, yeah, that's probably right. Christine, big McRib gal with your vodka? <laughs> nope, nope. Never, ever had the McRib. We are going to next Friday. Uh, some of the producers on Jimmy Fela's show are teaming up with your producers, and next Friday we're going to have lunch, and we're going to have the McRib. I think I'm in New York next Friday, right? Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I am. So are you going to try to subject me to this creation? Yeah, we all have to do it. We're a team. We're a best friend team. Maybe I'll have one bite. I'll have the first bite of yours, and then I can hand it off to you, and I'll just have what I normally— And look, this is not a me-hating-on-McDonald's segment. I kind of like McDonald's. I like the double cheeseburger or the McDouble, which is often on the dollar menu, although I don't know with inflation if it's still a dollar. Uh, Occasionally a Big Mac— the chicken McNuggets that I don't want to think too hard about what's in them, but with the dipping sauces, sweet and sour, barbecue, I'm about that. Of course, the fries. I, I'm not a McDonald's hater. I do prefer Wendy's overall. I've mentioned this multiple times. I like the spicy chicken sandwich, extra tomatoes. I mean, that's my go-to. I'm not above the uh, the Whopper from time to time over at the King. Then we talk about some of the more regional locations as we have on this show. We talk a lot about fast food here. We talk about In-N-Out Burger out west. We talk about Whataburger down in Texas. Recently, I was singing the praises of Zaxby's down south over the summer. I like the regional places, but in terms of the big national offerings, I think it goes Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King in that order for me, and I like certain items from each menu. The McRib has never been, even on the curiosity list, it doesn't look natural. It doesn't look, I mean, a lot of this food doesn't, but it doesn't look like food should look that way. That's what my brain computes when it sees it. I don't know if that makes sense to you. 
I'm still wondering why you think you and I are going to share a sandwich together. Well, because we're best friends, Christine. That's what best friends do. And I'll just have like one bite and then I'll hand it off to you and I'll have, you know, whatever else we get. I should get a salad. I should be good. I don't need a McRib. Plus, I have to like perform. I've got TV over the weekend. Next weekend, I'll be in New York. A lot of pre-election stuff heading into election day. I can't have the McRib do awful things to me if that were to be the case. All right. right. Like, I mean, you could be sidelined for a while and that would be bad, right? That would not help the program. But, you know, I'm the talent, Christine. I have to be here. I mean, I don't think I listen. I'm going to have the McRib and as talent as well, I'll be able to do my (laughs) duties. Wyatt is cracking up, by the way, over all of this. All right. Very quickly, what is your go to McDonald's order? This is not a McDonald's sponsored segment. I will have, you know, but now that we're thinking about it, I'm curious. Wyatt. Um, maybe just a dollar menu cheeseburger and fries, but that's, uh, McDonald's is not my main place. I know you're a uh, Shake Shack. Yes. Yeah, Shake Shack guy. Dan? Double cheeseburger, no onions, medium fry, Diet Coke. All right, I mean, respectable. I like the onions. Obviously, no on the Diet Coke. It's Coke Zero or bust. Christine? Uh, crispy chicken sandwich, probably a large fry, and then dip those in sweet and sour sauce and a large Coke, because McDonald's mm. Coke is the best. I would say for myself, I would get the McDouble, which is basically a double cheeseburger, and then a six-piece McNugget with both dipping sauces that I mentioned earlier in the segment, a small fry, and a Coke Zero. That is just peak McDonald's right there, and I'm not going to pretend it's good for me, but it is good. And I just don't want to seem like I'm hating on them just because I'm not going to go on this McRib bandwagon. Sorry. But it will be back supposedly for the final time in the farewell tour, and they are supposedly going to get me to try it next Friday in New York. We will see about that. Back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show for the Thursday edition, another packed lineup that you do not want to miss. We will talk to you then. And until then, have a great night, and thank you, as always, for listening. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Vaca. Home stretch on this Thursday on The Guy Benson Show. Thank you very much for listening. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Podcast's always free. So, Dan, our engineer, is off today. Producer Christine is off today, so it's just me and Wyatt. Luckily, YY is the chattiest member of our staff, and so we can still have a very fun home stretch here together. I did notice earlier, either it's a widget or an app, but a bunch of people that I follow on social media putting in and computing their own scores. It's a map of the United States, every single state plus the territories, and you can fill in by clicking on each state the geographic area of that state, and you've got an array of options. So if you fill it in with red, that means that you lived in that state. Orange means that you've stayed in that state. Yellow is a visit. Green is a stopover. Blue is a passover. And then white is never been. And then they compute There's like points assigned to each of those levels, and then they give you a number at the end. My number, I have to say, not to brag too much. My number is 205, which is pretty, pretty good. Now, I haven't lived a lot of places. I have lived in Virginia, where I live now, 
New Jersey, where I grew up, and Illinois, where I went to college and then started my career. I debated putting Massachusetts as a lived as well because I've lived there multiple summers. I've also lived in New York. In fact, I probably should get more credit than this because I absolutely did live in New York for more than a year and then on and off for like summers and that kind of thing. So I think New York plus Massachusetts, where I've spent huge amounts of time, I think those should count. But just to be as careful and non-exaggerating as possible, I just said that those were places that I had stayed. And I look at all 50 states, and I have lived in, as I said, three of them, although the real number is probably five. I have stayed or visited all of the others, with the exceptions of two. West Virginia, which I know is so close to where I live right now. I could just take a day trip to West Virginia. People do it all the time. Like, oh, we're going to Harper's Ferry. We'll do a little trip, maybe have lunch, do a hike. I got to get there. There's no excuse. And then Arkansas. Those are my only two remaining states. And regular listeners might recall that last summer I checked Idaho off the list, which had long been one of my missing links. Then with the territories, I've stayed in Puerto Rico. I've stayed in the Virgin Islands. I've passed through Guam, but the other ones I haven't been to. Also, now that I'm looking at my map, I'm noticing another error on my own part. I put Kentucky as a visit only. Not true. I've stayed there. I stayed at least one night there because I was covering the vice presidential debate in 2012 between then-Vice President Joe Biden and Paul Ryan. I was in Lexington overnight. I had some bourbon, as I recall correctly. So my score of 205 that I was already pretending not to brag about, in reality, the number is even higher. I have grade deflation. The only non-inflated thing in the whole country, apparently, right now is my score. So I got to get to Arkansas. I've got to get to West Virginia. Those are on the list. And if you live in those two states and you're listening right now, I will get to them. God willing, I want to hit all 50. And I'm close, tantalizingly close. Now, I asked Wyatt to fill out the same map. Wyatt, I feel like, has a lot of Northeast checked off and definitely Florida. I'm not sure about the rest of the country. So, Wyatt, what is your map looking like? So my score, I guess, is a 77. Okay. It's not too impressive at all. It is It is mostly northeast. Uh, the only state I've been to uh, west is just California several times. I've never been anywhere else. So definitely need to work on that. But You haven't done a weekend bender in Vegas? Nope. I've never been to Vegas. I've never – I really want to go to Arizona. I also really want to go to, like, those, those upper western states, you know, like Wyoming, Montana, the Dakotas. I think that would Beautiful. be a fun – Thing, but yeah, I'm mostly Northeast. I, I've only lived in New Jersey and DC, and I've pretty much stayed in all the surrounding states. Um, and have you gotten to Texas? I have not. That's another one. Oh, you got to get to Texas at some point. I know. And there's like there's cool stuff, and you start looking. And I go back. One of the things that I enjoyed about this exercise, you can find it on my Twitter. By the way, I tweeted it earlier. It was part of a thread I saw. A few people. Dan McLaughlin was tweeting about it. The Hemingways as well. One of the fun elements of filling it out was going through state by state, trying to remember, like some of them were obvious, like I've been there many, many times, it wasn't hard, but then others like, okay, yeah, I've been there, why was that? When was that? And then certain memories came back. And it was just, it was fun for me. It also reminded me that I'm 48 down, two to go, and wide. it sounds like you have a little bit of catching up and work to do. I also have a few years on you. 
So there's also that. I would like to know Christine's score. I would guess she's somewhere between the two of us, but closer to you. Because we've kind of talked about intrastate travel before and interstate travel before. And for a woman who is of much more advanced age than either of us, I think that her score could use some improvement. I know she was just out in California with me, but I don't think that was a new state for her. So I think she listens to the show and the podcast every day. I'm sure she's listening attentively right now, perhaps even live. Uh, And that's just like another piece of constructive criticism. Not even criticism, constructive advice for Cookie about her life moving forward and just her choices. Although, you know, I think we have other choices to work on first as a priority. If you could pick, Wyatt, before we go, one state that is currently white or blank on your map that you haven't been to, and you could, like, wave a wand and be there tomorrow. It's like a free all-expense-paid trip this weekend. What would your top choice be? I would have to say either Texas or Wyoming, but I think I would go to Texas because I feel like that is a, a must-do, and I, I, I'm itching to go there. Okay, I think that's fair. All right, so if you're intrigued by this at home and you want to participate and see what your score is and just kind of look at your personal map, I encourage you to check that out. Guy P. Benson is my Twitter handle. You can go follow me. This was something that I tweeted earlier on this morning. You can just follow the link there and, and maybe have some fun with it. And while you're on Twitter... Send us a follow as well here at the show account, at Guy Benson Show, Twitter and Instagram. We are back here tomorrow for a brand new edition of the Guy Benson Show, a Friday edition, which is always fun. We might take a few phone calls. I've heard that rumor. We'll see. But that's the same time in the same place right here tomorrow. Have a great night. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Guy Benson Show. Stretch on a Friday. It's the Guy Benson Show. Thank you very much for listening. GuyBensonShow.com. Free podcasts available every day. And it's not like technically a holiday weekend. We don't get extra days off either today or Monday. But heading into Halloween on Monday, it feels like a holiday weekend. A lot of people will be attending Halloween gatherings and parties tonight and tomorrow night. And the kiddos getting ready for trick-or-treating on Monday. And I've said this before, I am not anti-Halloween. It's not like I have a problem with it. It's just not my favorite holiday, and I don't really get into the spooky spirit very easily. I rarely do costumes. Every so often an idea hits and I'll do it, or I'll have an occasion where I need a costume and I'll just play along. But this year, for example, just no, not happening, no costume, no thought toward a costume at all. It's just... Not on my priority list. I might have a little bit of candy that I like, hang out with friends, maybe have a few cocktails, a few long drinks, some wine, and that'll be it for Halloween weekend. Which kind of sounds like a party pooper type thing, but not nearly as party pooping as this study, this survey that just came out, that allegedly shows, it purports to show, that a slim majority... 52% of Americans will not be handing out candy to trick-or-treaters this year. Some people are blaming inflation just with the cost of everything going up. They don't want to spend the money on candy to give to strangers. Halloween, though, is Halloween. Can you imagine being a little kid? Going down the block and every other house is like, no, closed for business. We will have enough festiveness at our household to at least have the mini array of 
brand name candies to hand out to kids if they ring the doorbell. To me, that is part of being an American. It's part of being an adult. People did it for you when you were a kid, because, of course, we all loved Halloween more as children. And I think we have to pay it forward. So I am very much, and I'm, I'm dubious, 52% not handing out candy, really, a majority? What is that? I would guess something like 80-20, yes. Maybe with a tough economy and inflation, 70-30. But a majority saying no, I'm just not sure I'd buy it. But I am a strong yes. We will be handing out candy in our household. I refuse to subject the neighborhood kiddos to what's the equivalent of like a Halloween Grinch? These Grinches who are stealing Halloween. Like I am sensitive to the economic pressures and the inflation. I just feel like, you know, it's not fair to take it out on kids who just want to trick or treat. You can have some inexpensive, relatively speaking, candy on hand. Christine, are you buying this? Are you guys handing out candy? Of course we're handing out candy. We are, because um, don't forget, this is our first year in the apartment. So oh, we're right. So whoever wants to hand out candy, you have to decorate your door, and there's a door decorating contest. So we'll be doing that on Sunday. And then, yeah, it's like a two-hour thing from 7 to 9. And I, I, I'm well, so actually, excited. Actually, I want to now give you a homework assignment. Because we can test this. Understandably, this is a very small sample size, and it may not be really a scientific way of doing this. But on Sunday and Monday, I want you to go around your building and just take mental note of the approximate percentage of doors that are decorated versus those that are not. Because am I understanding you correctly? If you leave your door bare, blank, nothing on it, kids aren't going to knock or ring. That's like a no, we're not doing candy here, move on to the next door type signal. Is that right? Yep. Okay, so I would love to know, is it roughly half and half? I would be shocked. But I guess you never know until it actually happens. So please report back on Monday, which is actually Halloween, or maybe even Tuesday once the whole thing is over. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you I'm off on Monday. So have fun. You're taking Monday off? It's Halloween. I have to take off. Do you? Yes. (laughs) Why is that? Uh, because my daughter is participating in the school parade and I am go- we get to finally go into the class for the mm. school party and then mm-hmm. right after we'll be trick-or-treating. I, I got okay. mom duties. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I'm surprised they let you in that school given your class mom exploits last year. But that's fair. And also, in, in fairness to you as well, it's not like there's a major national election a few days away that we're covering every day. That's fine. Just uh, why it has it handled, I'm sure. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Wyatt, I actually, because Wyatt is, Wyatt is a diminutive guy, and he's young still. I wonder, Wyatt, if you were to, like, do some really good makeup or something, could you pass as a trick-or-treater? I, I, I don't know about that guy. Have you ever trick-or-treated? Or were you like, I will be here smoking a pipe, reading the paper until my siblings get home safe and sound. Then I'm going to inspect their candy to make sure it's safe. Yeah, of course I've been trick-or-treating. I've, I've gone trick-or-treating my neighborhood growing up and, and all that, but... But yeah. Any big Halloween parties that you're going to? Do you have a costume this year, Wyatt? No, unfortunately not. I, I don't think I'll be uh, going out trick-or-treating this year or, or any big parties or anything on the schedule as of as of right now. Christine, did you have any ideas for maybe a costume, last-minute costume recommendation for Wyatt? Wyatt, I think you need to go find some sort of party down in D.C. because I have the best idea for a costume for you. 
I think you need to dress from head to toe in the color red and just go as the red wave. It's a political. It's a political costume, Wyatt. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one, Christine. You think that would go over well among <laughs> the crowds in D.C., famously red wave rooting D.C., <laughs> trying to get Wyatt killed? Who's going to produce the show on Monday, Christine? You're off. Let's oh just you know. Gosh. Let's at least let him get the show produced, and then he can go be the red wave. At that point, we'll be eight days out. Are you doing a costume, Christine? I feel like I almost forgot to ask you this. You were mentioning something about. A cookie-themed costume, weren't you? I was. So uh, Bobby, Megan, and I are going to a Halloween party tomorrow afternoon. And I was thinking of dressing as a cookie and have Bobby dress as, like, a milk box, a milk carton. Okay. So milk and cookie. Milk and cookie. But, oh, gosh, I hope this couple doesn't listen to I'm not sure if they listen to the show. But I feel bad saying this. I didn't want to waste the costume on, like, this person's party. Ooh. Is that mean? Well, I mean, you could also use it at another event. You could go trick-or-treating as a family. It's not like it would only happen at this party. And by the way, it doesn't matter what the venue is. You just have to get cute pictures and put it on social media. For example, at CookiesJar1988, your Twitter handle. Like, that's the point of these costumes. The whole point of costumes is to take photos and share it with the world whether they want to see or not. I mean, I do that often enough, but I wanted to walk into a party that people know who Cookie is. I mean, this is really the first time we're going to this person's house. I don't really know them very well. Well, that would require you to be invited to a party by people who know you. <laughs> are are you insinuating time. that if somebody, these people only invited me because they don't know me yet? Yeah, they don't know you yet. They're sort of like, oh, I'm sure let's get Megan's parents here. And then it's like, okay, next year, let's a uh, little ixnay on the Yoki K. Oh, my goodness. It's possible. I'm, as many people are saying, I am not saying that. I would never say that. In fact, I've invited you to my party for Christmas. You've never invited me to anything at your house. So, like, I mean, that is clearly not my sentiment that I'm sharing. I'm just hypothetically asking a question. I, That's all. I told you, if you ever need a place to crash when you go to a Giants game, you can sleep over my apartment. Mm-hmm. Last question. What candy are you guys handing out? So we actually haven't bought any candy yet. I think we'll probably do that tomorrow. Megan loves, and I know you don't, Megan loves to give out the gummies. You know, the not those kind of gummies. Actual gummy candy. Oh, she's a child. <laughs> I just didn't even to, think of that, Christine. I just wanted to clarify. Megan loves Sour Patch Kids, gummy bears, gummy worms, like any of that stuff. So uh, I'll probably do one big bag of that and then maybe probably a, a, some sort of chocolate and that we'll probably just call it a day. But I, I'm looking are, are forward you a to very, it. Are you a very, like, quintessential suburban mom, like you open the door, and what are you? Oh, yes. To each kid. Of course. I, that's what I love. And this year I'm so excited to, like, hopefully meet friends. You know, we don't really have anybody in the building yet. So, I mean, Mama wants to just stumble two doors down for her wine. She doesn't, you know, want to have to Uber. <laughs> I feel like Jerry Seinfeld did a bit a few years ago, maybe more than a few at this point, about continuing to trick-or-treat when you're kind of pushing the age limit, sort of borderline too old, maybe in middle school, and you just kind of want to go door-to-door, get your candy, like, all right, let's get it over with. Put the candy in the bag, lady. We don't want to talk. We're going to move on. I feel like you would be the nightmare for that kid, like the 11- to 12-year-old, slightly awkward, 
self-conscious kid who wants the candy but doesn't want to chat. And then it's just like Chatty Cookie opens the door, and he's just waylaid for minutes on end. You should have some sort of a warning sign on the door. Like, chat at your own risk. <laughs> I think it's going to be I, – I, maybe I could be a nightmare. I was also, by the way, just – I'm going to put it out there because I'm sure a lot of people were. I was a nightmare for my poor father from about 18 till I don't know, 22 because every Halloween I was going to some college party where I was some version of a bunny mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. cat. Yeah, and it's just like a certain type of bunny or cat. Yes, and my father would be yep. like, "What? Where? where is the cat part? I'm like, Dad, look at the ears. These are cat ears. <laughs> or look at mm-hmm. the bunny ears. And nothing else was, you know, a bunny. Yeah, like maybe a little bunny tail, the little ears. Maybe you paint on a couple whiskers and everything else is just um, – I, I don't think I'm technically banned from using the word that comes to mind, but just revealing. Yes. It's a revealing costume, which is the point. Yes, it was my poor father. He would always say, go back upstairs, please put on some more clothes. And then I would say, no, I can't. And now here you are years later working through it with your therapist, right? I think, you know, you and Roy probably have a lot to talk about. There are some issues there, and we don't have time to get into them because we are up on the final break of the show because it's over. It's the weekend. It's Halloween weekend. Go out there. Please be safe. Have a very fun time. Trick or treat. Be back here on Monday for the Guy Benson Show. All of you back here except for Christine, obviously. She's taking the day off. We aren't, though. We will be here working hard for you on the Guy Benson Show. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.